0: We're walking through the book of Psalms together, and today we are on Psalm 17. And I can tell you this much, that if you are here today at Friendship Church, that you're here for a purpose. If you're watching online today on Facebook, then I can tell you that you are here for a purpose. And so if you've read any of the story of David, you know that he spent a great deal of time on the run from King Saul. In fact, that's most likely where we find him writing Psalm 17, is while he's on the run from someone that is trying to not only slander him, but to destroy his character and take his life. I've never been in a situation like that before, but I can imagine that it would be quite stressful. And so what we begin to see here in this psalm is that David has put his complete trust in God, and he has a complete lack of trust in God in himself but I think that's a good place to be I think it's a good place to be when you can place all of your faith in God and put zero faith in yourself you see have you ever wanted something so badly that you just kind of like beg God hoping that he gives in I mean I think in fact that's probably how a lot of us pray often is like we'll come into a situation and we just like Beg God, I gotta really want this to happen. Gotta need this. I need this. God, please, 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 make this happen. And we like even bargain. I was like, God, I promise, if you make this happen for me, I will do whatever you ask. It's kind of like how my kids act when they want something. I'm like, Mom, Mama, Mama, Mom, please, 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 can I have that? And so I think oftentimes we find ourselves in that own situation when we pray. And so um, you know. When kids want something, they don't hesitate to ask. And so in Psalm 17 here, we'll see that David's desire is to be in God's will, to be in his presence continually, rather than try and convince God to be on his side. Verse 1, a prayer of David. It says, Hear, Adonai, or hear, O Lord, a just plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips with no deceit. From your presence comes my vindication. Your eyes see what is right. Verse 3 says, You examine my heart. You have searched me at night. Though you test me, you find nothing. I resolve that my mouth will not sin. And so David opens up this psalms three times asking God to hear him. Hear, O Lord. Listen. Give me your ear. He's asking God to hear his just plea, his righteous cause, because he believes that that what he is saying is right and just and true. Was David right all the time? Absolutely not. Are we right all the time when we go to God? Absolutely not. But, we do know here that this is the same David that asked God, said, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And so David comes to God saying, I have searched my heart. I know that I am right and I have not done these things that I am accused of. And so David cries out to God. You ever been in a situation in your life where you, where you call out to God and sometimes you're frustrated? It's like, listen, God, I need this to happen. Or you cry out to God when you're angry and mad or, or you're sad or scared. Sometimes we cry out to God when we're broken and we simply ask, God, do do you hear me, God? Do you hear me as I cry to you? No matter what the call, no matter what the situation, the Bible is very clear that God hears our cries. Spurgeon says that there is a mighty power in the cry of a child that stirs a parent's heart. David's cry was no different. Our cry is no different. Parents know the cry of their child and they can respond accordingly. Ask any mother and the mother can hear a child cry and she can say, that's my kid. Like, they just got hurt or they're hungry or leave them alone. Don't worry about it. They'll be all right. But the way that they cry indicates to the parent what their need is. And so the reality is that we should be more afraid of the chance That we don't hear God. Than that God doesn't hear us. We should be more afraid that we miss what God says to us. Than to be scared of the fact that God might not hear us. When we hear. What we see here is that God has searched David's heart. God has in fact seen us in all hours of the night. As this psalm says. God knows our deepest longings, our deepest desires. God sees us when no one else does. He sees what is in our hearts like no one else does. He knows who we are when no one else is around. Some of us that might be comforting, some of us that might be a little scary, but God knows who we truly are when no one else is around. And David claims that God will find him blameless Not in everything that he does, not in everything that he is, but in regards to this specific situation that David is being accused of. It does not mean that he was perfect or right all the time. But when we approach God, if we are believers, if we are saved, sanctified, justified, it does mean that we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. It does mean that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us or our sin. It means that he sees Jesus' beauty and his perfection that covers all of our sins and so the whole premise here is that David is spending time in prayer which means that he is approaching God and so if you, have the courage, if you have the courage I would encourage all of us to do this the next time that we sit down to beg God or to ask God to do something on our behalf sit down and ask yourself the following questions am I being disobedient in any situation or any area of my life if we're going to approach God, to ask God to do something on our behalf, ask God, am I being disobedient with this request or with any other area? Am I being selfish? Am I presenting this petition to you because I want something? Am I neglecting some important duty in my life? Is there something that you have called me to do that I have yet to do? Is there a wrong that needs to be made right in my life. You know, that's probably a hard one. Is there a wrong that I need to make right? Is there someone that I need to go to to fix this relationship before I ask something of you? And also, God, are my priorities in order. We can say, God, search my heart, but what does that really mean? That really means God, search every area, every part of me, everything in my life. Ask those questions and listen for the Holy Spirit to prompt your response and follow through with what needs to be fixed. Then we can approach God boldly and say, God, you have searched my heart. Please accomplish your will. We can be confident in approaching the throne of God. Verse 4 says, "As as for the deeds of mankind, by the word of your lips I have kept out of the ways of the violent. My steps have kept on your path. My feet have not slipped. Read verse 4 one more time. As for the deeds of mankind, by the word of your lips I have been kept out of the ways of the violent. That says it all right there. I think we can pack up and go home. That's pretty plain and simple. It doesn't get much plainer than this. God will keep us in his path. Do you want to be away, stay away from being like that person? Like, sometimes I'll go to my kids' soccer games and ref isn't calling things the way that I think they should be called or if I feel like there is injustice somewhere, then I might become that person. Like, you ever get hangry? You know, get a little angry when you're hungry? No, that doesn't. Yeah, it happens to some people. All right. You know, be that the mean girl or the crazy guy. The reality is, if we stay in God's Word, those things tend to happen less and less. Because if we don't stay in God's Word, 100% of the time, our flesh will prevail over our spirit. If we do not walk in His ways, if we do not live according to His Word, no matter what our intentions are, no matter how hard we try, our flesh will prevail over our spirit every time if we do not stay grounded in God's Word. You find yourself saying, oh, Honey, I'm, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean to say that. Or, I'm really sorry that I acted a fool and embarrassed you. Or, you like find yourself waving at the person beside you in traffic because you were just saying all kinds of things because they didn't move fast enough. Or honking the horn because they sat there for a split second. Stay in God's Word. Stay in His ways. And your spirit will prevail over your flesh. The Bible tells us that God will make the crooked path straight, but also indicates here that you can slip and fall if you don't stay focused on him. The unspoken point, the unspoken prayer behind all of this in the eyes of David is, God, put me on your path. Keep me in your ways. Verse 6 says, I called upon you, O God, for you will answer me. Incline your ear to hear me. Hear my speech. Be wonderful with your loving kindness, O oh, Savior of those taking refuge at your right hand, from those rising up against them. Protect me like the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who attack me, my enemies who surround me. And so here David is presenting his case and himself before God. There's nothing wrong with going to, to God and presenting a well thought out reason for what it is that you're asking for. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about actually like putting together an argument a case before we present ourselves to God? Have you ever thought about like reasoning out what it is that you're asking God for because if, if you were praying and God simply asked you why do you want me to do this would you be able to answer? Would you be able to give an intelligent answer as to why you're praying for what you're praying for? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't go to God in faith, but it does mean that we should put forth more of an effort in our prayers. Not put, for, not put forth more effort in like how we pray, but why we pray. What is the reason behind what we're praying? Be prepared to present a faith-filled and intelligent prayer to God. In verse 7, we see the word loving kindness used for the first time in Scripture. It says, be wonderful and in your loving kindness. I think we all love that attribute of God, but this is the first time that it's presented in Scripture, and it speaks of a love. But it speaks of a special type of love. It speaks of a covenant love, a love, a a marital covenant love. We're so important to God that He desires to take care of us and to protect us. The Bible says that we are the apple of, of His eye or the pupil of His eye. That doesn't mean that there won't be trials in life. I think we've all experienced that. I think we've all experienced the love of God, yet know that bad things can and will happen. But it does mean that we can walk through those trials in life knowing what God thinks about us and knowing how He feels about us. Because He loves you, and He loves me, and He loves each and every single one of us. And the Bible here, here says He will hide us under His wings. And it's um, reminiscent of a mother hen shielding her chicks from dangers or... or Predator or weather or, you know, you see pictures of eagles with their huge wings covering their chicks. But it's also no different than having the tallit on and God covering us with the tallit. Matthew 23, verse 37 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not Willing. Are we really that different in America now than the Pharisees and the Sadducees? That's who Jesus was talking to in the book of Matthew. You see, we have turned our backs on God and we wonder why our nation is in the shape that it's in. We wonder why, we're, why we are fighting against each other because of a belief, political opinion, color of our skin... We've turned our backs on God. We've made a mockery of God in the church, in the public square, in our schools, in our government, and we wonder why things look the way that they do. We've turned our backs on God. We wonder why there is so much physical abuse in the church, why there is addiction, why there are so many people straying from God's word. The church, our nation, has turned their back on God just like Israel did. But yet God is faithful and he is calling people all over the world to himself. So I ask each and every single one of us that as we pray, as we present, present our case to God, that we pray for revival in our own hearts. That we pray for God to break out in the chaos in Afghanistan, in the chaos in Haiti. Pray. We need to be less concerned with fighting in the physical realm and much more concerned with fighting in the spiritual realm. This verse says, "Be wonderful in your loving-kindness, O God, to those who seek refuge in you." Isaiah 40:28, it says, "Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the eternal God, the creator of the ends of the earth." He does not grow tired or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary, and to the one without vigor he adds might. Verse 30 says, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Our desire should be that the Lord would keep us in His ways and keep us in His path. Verse 10 says, Their callous hearts, they shut tight. With their mouth, they speak proudly. Our steps are now surrounded. They set their eyes to throw us down to the ground like a lion eager to tear to pieces, like a young lion crouching in cover. Verse 13 says, Arise, O Lord, confront Him. Make Him bow down. Deliver my soul from the wicked with your sword, from men with your hand. Adonai, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their belly with your treasure, with plenty of children, and leave their surplus to their babes. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? That Actually, that sounds pretty nice. like, they have their portion in this life. Their bellies are filled. They have treasures. They even have something to leave to their kids. But the key is that it is in this world. The people that we see in this world, the people that you see on TV, people that you see on your phone, Instagram, social media, seem to have everything that they could want. Everything that they could possibly need on this earth. But that's just the thing. They have treasures here. My kids sometimes will beg and beg and beg for something. And what they're begging for, what they want, what they desire, is, is nothing compared to what we really want to give them. But sometimes they just beg and beg so much and you just give in. It's fine. Take, take it. We don't tell them that we have something bigger and better planned, but it's all right. Just, if that's what your desire is, go for it. they have treasures here but without God that's all they have if we're not careful we will try and lay up so many treasures here on earth that we forget about God's desire our desire should not be on this world but the world to come our eyes should be focused steadfastly and unflinchingly on him verse 15 it says I in righteousness will behold your face when I wake, I will be satisfied with your likeness. Here in this last verse, David points to his eternal reward. His portion in the next life. Our happiness is truly in the next life. We have been so conditioned to live our best life now. and that sounds great. But this is no way near our best life. We've gotten so focused on living this life to the best that we can that we've completely forgotten about the next. Where we will experience unhindered fellowship with God for all of eternity or we will experience separation from God for all of eternity. Because when that begins, there's no turning back. No matter how short our lives here on earth are, they do determine what happens in all of eternity. So do you need God to rescue you today? Do you need God to move in a particular area of your life? People all over the world right now are in need. You can turn on the TV and see need and disaster everywhere. And so as believers, we should go to God with this prayer. God, show me your marvelous, loving kindness. And he'll do it. He's faithful and He's true. He'll bring you up. He'll bring you out. He'll bring you through. But it might not look the way that you think it should. But He will bring you out in the best way possible. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. I would encourage us all today to always expect the unexpected when you're dealing with God. Look to see in God and from God what you never saw before. For the very things which are unbelievable, the very things that are utterly impossible, are most likely to happen when we're dealing with Him whose arm is omnipotent, and whose heart is faithful and true. Matthew 9, starting in verse 27, says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Ben David, Son of God, have mercy on us. When he went into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Master, they said to him. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, Let it be done. And the Bible says that their eyes were open. It's time that the church takes a stand in faith. Well prepared to declare the mighty word of God in our lives. Into our situations, into our family, into our country, into our world. According to our faith. It's time to seek the face of the most holy God and to hear his voice and then to go. Go and be the hands and the feet of God in this world, in our nation, in our city, in our church, to our friends and to our family. So I simply ask you this, if you'll stand with me today. What are you expecting God to do today. Second question that I would ask is What is God trying to do through you today? So I don't know about you, but I am living proof of the loving kindness of God, of what God's grace, His mercy, and what the blood of Jesus Christ can do. Jesus turned my life around with His loving kindness, and He can and will. Do the same for you. I have overcome because of the power of His loving kindness and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in me that would deserve for me to be standing here telling you about God other than His grace and His mercy. What are you, according to your faith, expecting God to do in your life today? Because He will redeem, not not just... He can, but he will redeem you. He will set you free. He will heal you. He will fight on your behalf. He will surround you and protect you with his wings. What are you expecting God to do today? Hey, this is uh, Pastor Mark. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us online at fcfrisco.org or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're located in Frisco, Texas. We have services at 930 and 11 a.m. And you can join us uh, for our Wednesday experience at 630 p.m. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.